Welcome back, everyone, to Figuring Out the Formula. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Chandler and Patrick, as always. Cheers, boys. We just saw the Hungarian Grand Prix this past weekend. This race was a snooze fest, but it did have some points of brilliance. There were a couple of things that we're going to talk about in this episode where, where I was very intrigued by what they were trying to do, but I don't necessarily know if it worked out or not. Again, we'll jump into those a little bit later on. Just stick around with us. Enjoy the show. Let us know your feedback through uh, social media at Figuring Out the Formula. We're going to start with the practice session of the race weekend. And practice was pretty uneventful. There was only one major thing to note during the practice session. And our guy, Red Bull's uh, third driver, Sergio Perez, Checo decided to uh, crash an FP1. Pat, I mean, this guy doesn't want to drive in Formula One next year for the best uh, team, mean, or what's going on? Just beating a dead horse, man. Uh, I, I, you know, I saw stuff um, kind of in the, in the interim between the two races, talking about you know maybe Horner and Marco saying, oh, maybe he's just in his head or something, and then Checo was saying that like the car he's just not adapting to it or something. When I mean, it's it's not like it's like the Red Bull car of you know, four years ago that was super hard and really only suited Max's driving style. Like this is the best car out there. It should probably be the easiest one to drive, but he just um decided to cost uh, a little bit more catering to Red Bull. Yeah, catering. Yeah. My, but you say like it's the best car out there. It a hundred percent is, and it's maybe top five best cars ever in Formula One. Yeah, it's I, it's totally dominant, and it, I mean, there's we, okay. We'll say we'll say top. Ten. I see your look, Chandler. We'll say top no, ten. I'd be, I'd be challenged to say in the last twenty years. I don't know if we have the top. I don't know if we have three other cars. I know one other car, but in, t- in the past ten years, I don't know if we've got made or might be one car that's better. Um, my my point is, he's got the New York Yankees budget, and he's playing like days. <laughs> I mean. What not the A's for money ball, but like the shitty A's that we're used to, the one that are about to sell the team. My thing is, is there anything he can do, or has Red Bull gonna give up on him pretty soon? I don't think Red Bull is gonna give up on him. Um, you know, I feel like they're kind of built on a reputation of giving people a chance. Um, I know that they did have that whole fiasco with Gasly and Albon, but that's because they were quite literally crashing every single week and getting like they were finishing in like P15 and stuff like that. Um, And I don't think they're quite ready to jump ship on him just because I also don't think they have as good of a backup plan. Um, Well, their backup plan is gone now, right? So for those who didn't know, last episode, we were talking about Nick DeVries driving for AlphaTauri. That's Red Bull's second team. We basically said, if this guy doesn't get his shit together, he's gone. Well, the day that we released our last episode was the day that AlphaTauri released Nick DeVries from his ride. Do you know who they replaced him with? Chandler? Danny Rick. Our boy from McLaren. Oh, and look. Renault and I'll drink to Red that. Bull. And Red and, Bull. Yeah, so uh, he's been around the block a time or two, but he's been Red Bull's reserve driver this year. So there's Red Bull's backup plan. They're gone. Now, is this just for this year? 
we don't know. There's no details on a contract or anything like that because technically it is a sister team of Red Bull. That being said, is that a couple things of note is, A, we're probably about a month, eh, three weeks from silly season really going into full effect. Um, On top of that, one thing to consider this year is that this is the last year that Alpha Tower will still be owned by the same people Red Bull owns, but it won't be like as much of a sister team next year moving forward. So does Red Bull pull their contracts out of the team? What do they have a little bless? Do they pull the ones that they want basically um, back for them? I, but to, to the point of like, you know, they had to make a move with Albon or Gasly is like, at this point, who else are you going to get a backup to right now? Because, okay, you'd love to sit there and be like, okay, we'll take a Char- Leclerc or a Sainz or stuff. Signs maybe, but like a Leclerc or Hamilton, you're not going to look at them because who's going to be the clear-cut number two driver at Max when they're number one at a top-tier team? Um, so it's kind of like, you know, who are you going to get that's better than Checo right now? And I don't do, know they, do they go experience or do they go rookie? So like you have Felipe Dragovic, mm-hmm. who's an amazing F2 racer. I mean, he could get mm-hmm. a ride in a top-tier team. Or do they learn their lesson, like you said, from Alex Albon and Pierre Gasly, the younglings, when they came into the sport and say, yeah, no, this isn't this isn't going to happen. We're going to get a, an experienced guy who knows that he's going to be the number two driver and can get us top five places every race. I'd say that in Red Bull's current situation, they don't have an option to take a chance on someone that at least has not been an F1 for a couple of years because of the way that Max's contract is a very long contract till like 2028 or something. Um, and because of how dominant their car currently is and how they're just nailing everything from my boys on the pit stops to, you know, the engineering and the upgrades and everything in between, they, they don't have, um, kind of the wiggle room to, you know, take a gamble. They don't need to do that anyways. Um, They really just need somebody that is good enough to drive an F1 car at a somewhat competitive pace, but also play second fiddle to max because they know that, you know, every driver says, Oh, I, I could be world champion one day or whatever, but they're not all going to be world champion. Um, And I think right now, you know, Checo in theory is the optimal target for that because in the previous two years he's been great at that playing second fiddle um but you know like we've said this year i don't know if he's just getting his head or what it is um but you know if they have to give him the boot they have to give him the boot um i think we'll we'll just have to wait till the end of the season to really find out i honestly don't think we're going to make it to the end of the season i think we'll know by the end of the summer break where checo is going to be and if he doesn't win this next race in Belgium, I don't think he's going to be driving for Red Bull next year. That's just my opinion. That was pretty much all that came from practice this week. Like I said, it was pretty uneventful. But the crazy part of the weekend was actually in qualifying. So we moved from practice to qualifying. Um, Q1 was... It was interesting. There were some different strategies that went on. We'll uh, we'll talk at the end of the qualifying session about why this qualifying session was different than the previous ones. But out in Q1, you had Logan Sargent, Kevin Magnuson, George Russell, Yuki Sonoda, and Alex Albon. So George Russell was out in Q1. Mercedes, 
love to see it. Some people do, some people don't. The reason why George Russell was out in Q1 was not because of his car. His car was a rocket ship. We'll see later in Q3 as to how that's proven. But George Russell was in the queue up as time was expiring. And he wasn't able to get a flying lap going. He had too much traffic ahead of him or too much traffic past him on the queue up. Chandler, can you explain what actually went on during Q1? Yeah, so basically, you know, we get we have the longest amount of time, but at the end of the day is that if you cross that start finish line and you start your lap before clock hits zero, that lap time counts. So optimally what the strategy is is go set a time early and then be ready to rock and roll and hit one as time expires. That way you give it your best shot. No one can beat you because the time's out. <clears throat> so especially at the Hungara ring. We get this long straightaway to really kind of tee it up and get going on the terms. Um, so before that, the last couple of turns is that there's a lot of buildup, and we're going to see this a lot more. If you didn't really see it, this one, you didn't know really like if you notice something, but weren't watch Monza in Italy when we go to Italy later. Is all these cars are going to be building up slowly, 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 and almost like at a standstill, like a like a driver's parade. Um, but eventually they take off and go now to leave the least amount of time. Lewis was sitting kind of in control of this queue, trying to queue up. Um, you know, I don't think he was watching the clock trying to say, I got to hit start finish at one second, but he was taking his time to make sure he was ready to go. Meanwhile, you have all these other cars build up. Um, what happens is, is that these cars get built up. Some drivers, now most of the time you're supposed to say, you know, what, that's part of the game. Get there, time it right, and you can control it. But some drivers will break this agreement, not care, out of a desperation move, whatever you want to call it. They will start just, they'll just pass it and go. Um, so George was right behind Russell, or George right behind Lewis, and a couple cars behind George. Carlos Sainz was one of them. I think there may have been another one that decided to take Lando. Yep. So Lando, so the two of them said, enough with this, we're going. So they took off and passed. Um, and as a result, I think George, out of desperation, needed to try and pass, but then couldn't because these other cars behind him are already going. Um, and in turn, uh, didn't he basically wasn't able to get a start that he wanted to and couldn't put up a time that got him in. So he's out in Q3. So kind of a shock there. Um, I think he was a little bit miffed at uh, – I think it was the whole situation had – it just been Lewis holding them up. That might've been a little different story. They would have had it handled behind closed doors, but uh, you know, I think he was a little, a little upset about the whole situation. Rightfully so. I mean, you know, this, yeah, is, I mean, it, it ended his whole qualifying effort. Yeah, he was out in Q1 sweat free into Q3 and never see five, five through 10th in Q3. Yeah. Uh, Sky sports was trying to play the other drivers as the issue. They were saying, well, do you think that Lando and Carlos broke a gentleman's agreement, right? So, like, on the first tee box in golf, if you shank one in the woods, you look at your buddy and say, breakfast ball. And he says, yeah, absolutely. That's the equivalent of what this is. Okay, we're going to back you up and we'll stay behind you as long as you give us enough time to go. Yep. Sky Sports was trying to claim that, oh, it's based off of Lando and Carlos's errors, whatever. George is like, no, that's not it. It was our strategy. They, the, our garage messed up. 
So I don't know. I'm sure there's going to be, you know, a team meeting about what went on and how to improve the process or to at least double check the timing, that kind of thing. But that was pretty much all that happened in Q1. Um, moving on from Q1 into Q2, uh, no big accidents. No one spun, no one crashed, no rain, nothing like that. Um, out in Q2, you had Gasly, Stroll, Daniel Ricciardo, uh, Ocon, and Sainz. So for the first race in his career this year, Daniel Ricciardo outqualified his teammate, Yuki. So that's great. He qualified 13th. It's an AlphaTauri. You're not going to put that bitch on pole. You just want to make sure you're in the Q2, have a decent position to start at. I think he solved it. Um, I wasn't impressed, but I wasn't disappointed either in his qualifying efforts. What do you think about Daniel's uh, qualifying efforts? I think it's pretty par for the course. No one's expecting him to get a podium or anywhere close to that. Um, you know, points would have been really nice for them, but everybody kind of realizes Alphatari is a shit box this year. Um, and I I'd say all in all, you could just call it a solid performance. Um nothing crazy out of the ordinary, you know, didn't fuck up the car or anything like that. Essentially just did his job. Well, the person that didn't do his job, we've talked about black and white flags in the past, you know, exceeding track limits, that kind of thing. Well, during Q2, Pierre Gasly, he had his lap times deleted. He, I think he ran two flying laps and both of them were deleted. This is not a track where it's difficult to stay on. Like the Red Bull ring is pretty difficult when you're hauling ass. The Hunger ring, it's... It's not. It's really, it's, yeah. it, it's basically the driver's fault. Like, okay, the Red Bull ring, it is a driver's fault, but they're pushing. I get it. This track, there's no excuse for why. <laughs> yeah, I had to actually, like, when I saw the track limits were, like, being a thing and, like, his laptop, I'm just sitting there thinking, like, feasibly, where did you go off? Like, that, where did you go off that, like, wasn't, like, detriment? Like, obviously, if you spin out or go something, but your time's going to be cooked at that point. Like, where are you going off that's cutting a corner here that's, like, I, I yeah. just, it, it's something you didn't think of going into the weekend, and here we are seeing the, it. Up. The turns on the backside of this circuit are a lot of very low-speed corners, relatively. Um, like, the only way you're really going to spin <laughs> is if you just slam the throttle going out of a turn. So I, I mean, I, I don't get it either. It's, it's not like a crazy hard circuit where you're doing a loop de loop or some shit. And um, it's not his first time at the track. I mean, yeah, you know, like he, there's no excuse for him doing what he did because out in Q2, okay, that's not bad for an Alpine. That was all that happened in Q2. Like I said, in Q2, it was Gasly, Stroll, Ricardo, Ocon, and Sainz. Moving into Q3, we actually had seven different teams that qualified in the top 10. So 10 positions, you had seven teams filling those positions. Now, a lot of people were, you know, if I say that, they're going to be like, well, what's going on? Normally, it's the same group. Pat, what was different about this qualifying session compared to the normal qualifying sessions? So normally in qualifying, or I guess... Previously, for the entire history of F1, you pick whatever tires you want. You can pick hards, you can pick mediums, you can pick softs. This really just depends. You're usually never using hards in qualifying. 
Um, the main kind of difference is because you have a set tire allocation. It's kind of how many softs, how many hards do you want to run so that you can save some more for the race. Um, but to introduce a little bit more um, complexity to the mixture and, um, you know, kind of try to make it more competitive. Um, this was the first race where in Q1, you actually had to use hard tires. Everybody had to use hard tires. Moving on to Q2, then everybody had to use medium tires. And moving into Q3, everyone had to use soft tires. Um, it's the same for everybody. There's no option to try out anything different. Um, you could, you know, I guess if you had like scrubbed soft tires versus fresh ones, that's allowed. Um, but they're trying to make it so that teams have less tires overall through the weekend. And then um, everybody's on the same tire to, I guess, increase the competition. Um, so, I, go ahead. To go along with what Pat is saying, the whole purpose of this not only was to increase competition, but it was uh, sustainment, right? So we've talked about in the past that that Sebastian Vettel is a sustainment advisor for the FIA. Well, the FIA claimed that bringing 11 sets of tires per team, per, per car, excuse me, uh, over 13, 14, 15, is going to make a huge difference in the long run. Well, there were a lot of teams that liked what was going on this weekend. As I said, you had seven teams in the top 10 qualifying. Then the top teams did not like it at all because you had teams like Mercedes who made Q3, but they also had a car that was out in Q1. So my question for you, Chandler, do you like this new way of qualifying? Or do you prefer the old way? I like this way. Um, one of the things that I, I think it kind of does, I don't know if they intended for it to be like this. I think going hard, medium, soft is good. So it's not that many tracks that we see soft being like used like a good portion of the race. But I think it's nice as, okay, so if you're out in Q3, then – you know, you've got an extra set of mediums or softs that you didn't have to allocate that you can kind of throw in the race and those mediums or softs are going to go faster that you might be able to use to, in order to gain some ground during the race. Um, same with Q2 that, you know, you've burned a hard and a medium, but you still got a soft. And if you're 12th, I mean, you think about it, if you're 12th place and you've got an extra set of softs and you can get a little extra ground on someone who, you know, you might be about your battle if you're, um, Alfa Romeo is not Red Bull or Mercedes. Your fight is like Williams or Haas. And it's like, say Haas gets into Q3 at 10, um, they burn a set of softs. And then now you've got that extra strategy that gives a little bit of like some more of the midfield battles too. It also, it, you know, but it does like it, the double-edged sword of it is that when you have, for example, you have Checo Perez who sits there and, farts around and misses Q2 like four straight times and you give him an extra set of softs, I mean, he's just going to run for a podium every day, which can be exciting. But at the same time, it's like kind of get you don't like that. But I do think that like from a bigger perspective of qualifying to the race, it's good. It levels out the competition. And trust me, when I say levels out the competition, I am not saying equal engines like the conversation has went to. But in terms of like everybody's using the same tires, now it really is on the driver skill and the car a little bit. It takes one less variable out because sometimes when there's more variables, it's hard to tell who is actually genuinely better. Now you, we know, all right, car-driver combination, which is kind of the truest test of this, 
we're all on the same tires. Now we can see which car is better and by which driver. Yeah. Okay. I hear what you're saying, Pat. Do you agree or do you disagree with what Chandler's saying? I agree. Um, I kind of, in retrospect, feel like the soft tire is kind of sometimes relegated to just be a qualifying tire. Um, I think that because a lot of times in races, they end up not really having a long shelf life at all. You know, it's it's like all C teams use them for like 10 laps or something. Um, I feel like they often just get relegated to only being used in qualifying. And so then you'll just see it's either, oh, it's a medium and then a hard or vice versa. And maybe a two stops for mediums or something like that. But you really, I feel like hardly ever see softs used in a race unless it's like, a, a late safety car and someone still has some softs left over and so they throw them on to try to make up some last stitch places. So I definitely like it. Um, and then it also gives, you know, those back marker teams a further option if, if they want to gamble on that. Um, so I, I definitely think that it probably needs a little bit more vetting to see if it actually makes qualifying more competitive and further on the races. Um, but I definitely think it's a good start. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I don't believe that this way of qualifying should be a thing um, for two main reasons, right? The first being, Pat, you you were saying that the soft tire is kind of not, not really used except for qualifying. And I hear what you're saying, but I think to solve that issue, Pirelli needs to make the harder tire compounds. So like instead of using C3, 4, 5, or C1, 2, 3, you use the harder compounds. So the soft tire is actually the medium, medium is actually the hard, and then the hard will become the super hard tire. That is maybe something to look into. And you also, the second part of that is the tire allocation. They want to bring the number of tires down that each car, each team uses. You don't need to require... So if if a team's only using one soft tire the entire weekend or two or three soft tire combos the entire weekend only allow them to use one, you know, like yeah. why bring, why bring yeah, five makes, sets of soft sense. tires when they're, um, oh, when the average is three, you know, only yeah, bring three. And I think, I don't know. I think the other, the other caveat that I think we're also kind of overlooking is that these teams use these same sets of tires in practice together mm-hmm. data or whatever it may be. Um, I think, I don't know. Like I said, I I think it still kind of needs some more trial and error. Um, I definitely think to your first point with, you know, switching, you know, C1, 2, 3 versus 3, 4, 5, that all really just actually depends on the tracks because each track isn't made of the same material. Um, But it it does seem like this year we've had the softer tire compounds for the majority of the races. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't, I didn't look it up, but that's just what it seems like to me. And so, yeah, like, I mean, it, it may be like, I remember we were talking with those guys in Texas um, and they were saying they redid the track and everything, but then all the drivers were complaining about chewing their tires. So, you know, instances like that, they may actually shift further down the hardness. Um, but I definitely th- agree with you that there probably needs more variance even in that. Um, because, you know, I don't know if it would make for some more wild racing or something like that, um, or if it would just pose an issue where, you know, say you're using the C1 at one track, um, it, it lasts 20 laps, but then at another track, it lasts five, 
um, it, because isn't, of, that, isn't that what formula one's about though? Like it's about the technology and the engineering, right? So the, the team should be able to figure out based off the practices that they get, they get three practices. Okay. The, this tire is going to last this long. This one, if it has full fuel weight, this is a last this long. I think that if you vary the tire strategy up every race, it becomes less predictable and it becomes more competitive. Maybe that's an unpopular opinion. I know, especially if they're the engineers are listening right now, they're getting they're like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, please don't. <laughs> but I I think that's where I that's where I stick with the new quality format. Um so the, the only the only like thorn in my side about all that is we want to talk about how yes, like okay, we're gonna have sustainability. That's fantastic. Why are we adding a sprint shootout and a sprint race? Which oh, we're gonna bring four more sets of tires. Like we're basically nullifying this move by having the sprint shootout. So it's like at the end of the day, it's like we're working again. We're pulling against our own rope here. If we're if we're a sport that like cares about the environment, that's the only thing that kind of bugs me about it. Is like I saw it from a competitive aspect. Like I did not see the environmental thing nor what i've thought the environmental thing because of the other stuff we're over bringing more tires and yeah. stuff like that yeah uh, so I, I digress on that you no know, i completely agree there's no reason to have an extra qualifying session that doesn't do anything really except for the front eight drivers but either way that was the qualifying qualifying finished off with lewis hamilton actually getting pole position not Max Verstappen. Max got second place, and then Lando Norris actually qualified third. So it was a pretty nice qualifying effort in general. There were no accidents, anything like that. The only drama was basically the George Russell scandal that we talked about earlier. That was pretty much it for qualifying. Um, we move into the race, and there was some drama. Now. If I were to tell you to guess a name that causes the drama, who would be your first guess? Pat, you first. Botas. He's <laughs> trash at the Hungaro ring. We all we never forgot 2021. Fair enough. Uh Chandler, what about you? I was gonna say the ghost in Nikita Mazespin. spin. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but but going on the on the topic of Patrick's is uh, I'll never forget of all the Botas stuff from 2021 is Lance Stroll just saying he was just going to floor it through the corner uh, right behind all of that. Um, so, yeah. You both would be wrong. Patrick's a little closer than you are, Chandler, because the ghost of Nikita Mazespin is in Ukraine right now. Um, but, Pat, it's actually Joe Granier. So that's Botas's teammate. He qualified amazing. He was in the top five. And he literally just shit his pants. He shit rolling down his leg. He didn't know what to do. As soon as the lights came off, he he just froze. It was well, like he the deer in the headlights. He seriously, his I don't know what his reaction time was, but it had to have been a, like his game controller lagged or something. Like you would have thought he was the, yeah, his, his controller disconnected. Yeah, you would have thought he was that fucking submarine going down to the Titanic. That shit disconnected and. <laughs> He just stopped. It's like, bro, he ended up getting ran into from behind, running into other people. Like, yeah, that was that was just. Uh, I mean, I I admittedly, uh, I woke up during lap two, um, and it was it was like that 
uh, meme of Childish Gambino walking in and everything's on fire. <laughs> um, and then I, I started seeing all the replays of, of Joe and yeah, buddy just forgot that like when the lights go out, you're supposed to go forwards. And <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know if it's just like the way the Hungaro ring is made because it basically starts off with a hairpin, you know, maybe we'll see this at spa next weekend. What the um, fuck does it have to do with this reaction time? It was Valtteri almost had to start some crap, like start a mess because he had to like to get around him. But everybody yeah. had to move. This uh, motherfucker, Max, was already finished in the race before he even left for the out of his yeah. stall. I was like, bro, what? Yeah, yeah, he, he started off on a dial-up connection. Um, he got get this man Starlink. I mean, come on, what are yeah. we doing? Yeah, it's it's just. Uh, it's unexplainable. I don't know if they like he said anything about it in any interviews, but that was probably one of the worst starts I've I've seen in a while. When they say act like you've been there before, <laughs> this is what they should say. Act like don't act like this if you've never been there before. Because he literally he ruined probably five, six race race cars. I mean, Lewis Hamilton, like I said, he started on pole. Max Verstappen started in second, and then Lando third, Oscar in fourth. Somehow Lewis Hamilton dropped to fourth place behind both McLarens, everything like that. So it was in running order after the first turn, it was Max, Lando, Oscar, Lewis. And then it quickly switched to Oscar was in front of Lando. Before we get into the drama, let's make a pit stop in Pat's paddock. Let's talk about Lewis Hamilton for a second. All right. So uh, welcome back, everybody, to Pat's Paddock. Um, today, we're we're indeed going to be focusing on um, Lewis Hamilton. Um, so as we discussed, going into the first turn on the first lap, um, I think Lewis kind of shat his pants and just didn't get a good start out of the gate. Um, he ended up hanging around fourth for a good portion of the race, but... Um, something that actually brought up a lot of discussion was that um, you could hear through radio messages that he was asking um, the Mercedes pit wall if they had actually been meddling with the engine. Um, this actually brought up a lot of discussion because um, you can't actually change engine modes for the most part in Formula One. Um, now, in previous years, um, engine modes were actually a big component of uh, a team's race and their qualifying format. Um, the most notable example of this would actually be the Mercedes party mode as done by Lewis Hamilton himself, um, of the late 2010s. Now, this was a pretty ingenious thing from, um, the Mercedes engineers and essentially what would happen, um, is they would engage this party mode for one lap and they would basically just let the engine max itself out. And they would also shut off the power recovery systems from the hybrid part of the engine. So there's no engine being harvested when he's braking or driving to go into the battery to deploy it. It's literally just flat out, open the engine up and put the throttle on. Um, this actually resulted in a crazy amount of dominance through qualifying for Mercedes. Um, I don't even remember if anybody had more than one other pole that year. Um, I think it was like 2018. It was pretty dominant. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was ridiculous. And 
Um, after that, you know, all the other teams were kind of complaining and, you know, everybody else had their own engine modes and things like that, but nobody's was as dominant as Mercedes, even the Mercedes customers like Williams, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so actually, um, two years ago, or I guess actually three now, um, the FA essentially banned various engine modes, um, throughout a race so that one, um, you know, the lower teams that were still receiving these engines from Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes weren't actually kind of getting cut out of the picture um, without access to these tools to <laughs> maximize their engine. Um, and then it was also just to kind of bring the gap down because, you know, this was probably one of the most boring times of F1 for Mercedes dominance. Can you, um, let me interrupt. Can you imagine if Haas buys a... <laughs> buys an engine from ferrari and ferrari's over here shutting off the engine to give like half the power you like exactly. basically <laughs> that's insane and, and it, it, it it brought up questions um you know even in that scenario because um i can't remember if it was 2018 or 19 where ferrari got caught because they suddenly had a rocket ship and it was found out you know Haas is over there like what the hell like why can't my engine do this <laughs> yeah. and it was actually because Ferrari was bypassing like the fuel limiting system so they were injecting more fuel in the engine and just taking off um, and so the FIA actually outlawed this a couple years ago which is why people were like what the hell is going on like what are they talking about like changing the engine um, but there's actually a few very small caveats which in Mercedes instance this weekend were for reliability issues um, they do have to report that to the FIA and then um, for essentially charging the battery during qualifying, given the nature of qualifying's, you know, kind of one lap matters and also for like safety car and things like that. So that they're not just overworking the engine while behind the safety car. Hmm. So that was a lot to dive into. Right. And yep. I just can't get over the fact that these teams, these back markers midfield teams are buying engines from these main teams and they're only getting yeah. a small percentage of the power dude yeah. that's, what a lot is of it the teams out there were getting screwed over what's an um, equivalent to that like like the atlanta braves giving the rome braves bats but only half the bats have handles on them i don't yeah, basically. I mean, it's that's that's actually a pretty good analogy. Well, where it's like, I would oh, say, I would say more since you're on the same play, it'd be like the Atlanta Braves giving the Kansas City Royals, like uh, Matt Olson, Ozzy Alvey, giving them the whole infield, but saying they have to field and bat with their non dominant hand. That's probably yeah, the best. It's, it's like, you're, yeah. hey, you're still getting Austin Riley. But he he's now got a bat. Now he's got a bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean it's like it's like playing a fighting game with somebody that's a total noob and they don't even know the controls and you're just destroying them in like four seconds without even telling them what the A button does. Um well, speaking of destroying in eight seconds, uh we talk about Joe Granu again. This dude he ruined everybody's race in the front because the lights off means go. And he didn't. Well, not only did Joe ruin like Lewis's race and people behind him's race, he absolutely destroyed Alpine. Alpine had a double DNF finish because Joe managed to make contact with one Alpine into another one. Doing the Lord's What's that, Chandler? 
I said, as a McLaren fan who now wants to like pre-Canada, I was fighting against Alpine. Joe's doing the Lord's work by D- double DNFing Alpine for us. It was pretty pathetic. It's like, you know, your instant reaction after the start is what the hell is this guy doing? And then he gets to the end of the straight, doesn't break, hits Daniel Ricardo, who hits the Alpines who crash into each other. And it's like, okay, what actually the hell is this guy doing? Like he started in fifth and then just ruined half the grid's race. Uh, yeah. You think about it. Props to Ricardo. I mean, Ricardo and coming from 13 just immediately drops back to the end of the field. Like at that point, well, I mean, aside from the two Alpines that were like spinning their wheels, trying to get back to the pit lane. Well, technically Dana Ricardo was, on the prowl like he had gained i think two or three spots after turn like into turn one like he had a great reaction time yeah and he he was he was he was moving and then he had the contact well that was kind of been his problem in the past you know he always was in some kind of the minor accidents but caused his race to be ruined granted it wasn't his fault but in formula one Nothing's ever your fault. It's always someone else's fault, especially if you're George Russell. But I think <laughs> if we move we move on from the Joe contact where me and Chandler are happy. McLaren got some points over Alpine. Alpine double DNF. Can't ask for much more than that. Sorry if you're French for more than one reasons, but this is the first one. Um, the thing is, Joe did get penalized for it, though. So he ruined how many people's race? Uh, I'd call it three to Alpines plus Ricardo. Okay. That's a three plus three plus three to six, right? We'll give it around there. Um, His penalty was five seconds. Uh, That's, that's a slap on the back. Like, Oh, sorry. It's don't do it again. Right. Bro, bro didn't go when the lights went out. Literally, and then, and, then, and then when he finally did go, he decided to hit everything in front and behind and next to him. Five seconds. I mean, I'm glad they didn't note it as a race incident, but he the, that's that's a 10 second, 15 second penalty for what he a double DNF for a team, and he come on. Yeah, and like we've discussed it before about penalties and the problem the problem with the f1 rules or i guess the fia rules for f1 is that they penalize the action and not the result yeah and so that's a good way of saying it yeah and that's i mean that's the whole kind of philosophy that you know the penalty rules are built on um because otherwise to be fair, there is a shit ton of gray area, whether you just kind of tap somebody or you do what Joe did and bonk three cars and cause two of them to crash out. Um, and I don't, I don't know. It would probably take a lot I, of. See, see, I disagree with you because even if he took off an end plate, right. Of a wing, that car is still going to have to go to the back. They're still going to have an extremely long pit stop. They're probably going to be running. 19th, 18th, somewhere around there. How's that any different than retiring in 19th or 18th, right? So I really think the penalties need to be more. It it does. It's just hard to kind of quantify it in Mm -hmm. like a legal, 
like rule book because you know if you okay let's say you're going side by side with somebody into a turn and you are the like you make contact with them that bumps them off their line and then you know they lose that place and say one or two more but let's say they're still in the points you know their race isn't totally ruined but they you do still cause a collision which is what the rule is for um and i do agree with you it needs like there needs to be some kind of spectrum for it but the problem is just that inherent philosophy that they base it on where it's you penalize the action and not the result of the action because otherwise but, you know like when when lewis and max crashed at silverstone like two years ago lewis is going to fucking jail like there's no coming back from that if you if you penalize it the other way you know yeah or when we were in texas first turn one you had george russell send it up the inside on carlos exactly. science and completely fucked his race well there was no need for that he didn't stand a chance of passing there was no need so i don't know if this is a similar situation or not like you said it's very gray area ish but we move on to around lap 18 you had uh charles leclerc an extremely slow stop he was trying to do the undercut if i remember correctly and Normally a pit stop at the this track is going to be around like standstill, like 2.3 seconds is a good stop. Mm-hmm. 2.5 is probably average around there. Red Bull had a 1.9. Bang. Bang. But we're not talking about that right now. Uh, good old Chucky, Charles Leclerc, <laughs> he had a 9.4 second stop. That's NASCAR stop. I could have run the 40. Well, Chandler could have gone to cookout and back. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right. That's a better, yeah, that's a better analogy. No, but seriously, dude, 9.4 seconds. And to top it off, not only was that a shit stop, but he also got a penalty. For speeding. For speeding. He sped into a penalty. So he had a five-second penalty for speeding into the pit lane. And then when he got into the pit lane, he had a 9.4 second stop. A 14.4 second standstill. I just love the, uh, so the, what used to be the WTF one podcast, two guys that split off of that, they do a live watch party. And one of them is a Ferrari fan. And the reaction reaction was they were just sitting there like, Oh my God. Like, they're like, Oh, we just need a 2.5, 2.5, 2.5. This is not 2.5. This is not (laughs) 3.5. And then he's just like, 9.5, 9.5, you've got to be kidding me. And where he came out, he's like, okay, hey, well, you know what? At least he can, like, fight back. He's got DRS for this next couple of laps. And then all of a sudden it says, investigation, Charles Leclerc for speeding. And he just spun his chair around and got up and walked out. And the other guy just started laughing. And he screamed from, like, the other room of just, why are you laughing at my pain? Like, that to me is just, like, the epitome of a Ferrari's going to Ferrari. Bro, so the uh- – I guess this is the meme episode, basically. Yeah. My favorite right now is the scene from Interstellar where uh, where McConaughey is looking through the bookcase at his past self. And so, someone's like, me, when I'm deciding, me watching me decide to become a Ferrari fan when I first started watching F1, 
Oh my God. Thank God I did not do that because holy mm. shit, I'd be depressed. Yeah. This shit is terrible. Yeah, no. I wouldn't be doing this podcast with you boys because I wouldn't be watching F1 much. Yeah, I'd, I'd <laughs> be, be bippity myself to the damn gallows if I was a Ferrari fan. <laughs> thank <laughs> God I love Red Bull. Dude, it. Well, so Red Bull did have some issues, right? I mean, Checo, he made some gains, right? He was fighting to get up into the podium against Lewis and then against Lando, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. The thing is, during these battles at the front of the pack, right, there were battles going on in the back of the pack. So Max had already lapped everybody, their mother, their sister, their brother, their cousin. Well, during these top 10 battles, you had the top 20 battles going on right in front. So a lot of lap cars were still fighting and getting in the way of the actual cars that were on the lead lap. This is that shit that we were talking about that really pissed me off, right? So Lando had been cut off a bunch. Clearly, I'm paying attention more because that's my driver. But he'd been cut off a bunch by lapped cars. They have the blue flag, which means get the fuck out of the way. And they were still trying to fight back against him. It's like, he's not even leading the race. Even if you get ahead of him, you are not passing Max Verstappen. So what are we doing? Chandler, were you as mad as I was? Or did you, were you at that point, it was a snooze fest. You were just trying to make it through. I, I was mad because it deprived us of like a last five lap shootout of it. Because I still think that in that Red Bull and Checo with his formula for winning, which to spoil, we'll talk about in a minute. Checo wins driver of the day, but Checo's formula for driver of the day is just in the car in practice, have a like a shit qualifying. And then just say, oop, like literally like the me, another meme of like, uh, oops, sorry. Uh, the guy singing California girls while just driving through that is <laughs> during the actual race. So it's like, cause he's in that rocket ship. I really think that it would have been a, like, kind of like Silverstone last year um, is or, or last week um, of like that battle in the last five to 10 laps. We could have had that. I still think Checo wins that battle, but yes, it was very, very nerd, like making me mad because then, like, Checo, oh, magically, like, Moses Checo Perez parts the Red Sea and all the cars, like, oh, it's a Red Bull, we got to get out of the way. Like, yeah, the, the thing was, like, you saw the time difference between Lando in second oh, place like, and Checo in third. It was eight seconds, then it was seven, then it was four, then it was three, and then they show Lando, and he's got three, two, three, four lap cars ahead of him not getting out of the way. Uh, no wonder why. Like, it should have never even been that close. I'm not saying Checo couldn't have passed him, but Lando should have never been in that situation. Pat, Checo's your boy. Lando's my boy. But do you see where we're coming from here? Like, th- this yeah. is just... No, so I, I, I definitely see where you guys come from because I've, I've had this happen before in my stint as a Red Bull fan. Um, I think this also kind of has an inherent problem with one just the fact that these drivers are all racing to win and be the fastest and so you know if you get a couple cars that are bunched up fighting for each other if one of them lets up every other car is going to be able to then go past them 
they're, they're basically just going to trail that car that actually has the blue flags and then take that gap that gets created, which, you know, on a, on a place like the Hungaro ring, you know, there's one main straight, which those are the easiest places to pass. And then it's a lot of kind of tight and slow turns that are, you know, they get kind of narrow. And so it's, I mean, honestly, you don't really see a whole lot of overtakes elsewhere, especially with the length of the current cars. Um, and so I definitely think it's a one just problem with racers being racers and two, the track itself. And then three, the fact that there's not like harsh penalties for not getting out of the way. Um, you know, we've seen plenty of instances with you know people like Nikita Mazespin where, you know, Sebastian Vettel is yelling about blue flags and telling him to get the hell out of the way. Um, and sometimes it actually, it does get, you know, dangerous um, when they're not doing that because the drivers behind them are pushing and going much faster already. Um, and so that's, you know, kind of the, the black and white version of it. But I, I definitely see where you guys are coming from because that changes those people, you know, changes the race for someone like Lando who he's cutting through everybody, making great times with these banger McLaren upgrades. And then he gets, you know, slowed down by a bunch of people that are seconds behind him already, you know, a lap or so. And then the guy behind him that he's already sweating, trying to fight off is on his ass now. Yeah. It, I, and like you said, like, I don't know what can be done about it, right? A blue flag is a blue flag. If you're out of the point, what the fuck does it matter if you have 11th or you're an 18th? Either way, you're not getting any points. There's no prize money for 11th versus 18th. It's only points. The cool part about that was like we talked about, like Max was obviously in first place as normal. No surprise there. Well, Checo and Lando were having a battle and then the lap cars kind of created a sense of drama. Well, it ended up Lando finished second place and then Checo finished third. So Checo, he he ran a great race. His race weekend sucked ass, but he ran a great race. He ended up being voted driver of the day with Lando coming in second place votes and then Oscar coming in third place. I thought it was a great race. The middle part was a little boring, but boring is good for race lovers. Because that means there were no incidents, right? If you like the drama of Formula One, it was a boring race. Chandler? That's the, the again, my final meme reference of the night was like the picture of, of Lance Stroll. Was like, whenever it's like somebody said me, whenever I look up and it's only lap 35, and it's just like a Lance Stroll smiling, but behind the smile is just a, you've got to be kidding me, just like a, <laughs> like an empty smile. <laughs> it's just very empty face, like an empty smile with it. It's just like, it's, it's only lap 35 of 70. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> like, but so, you know, it's a good race. I mean, other than, I mean, you if you're an Alpine fan, horrible. If you're a Ferrari fan, horrible, but at least you finished the race. Uh, don't look back, uh, Ferrari, because, well, I'll say this is almost still a Ron Washington quote. said, now these McLaren upgrades, all Alpine's going to see is McLaren ass and elbows. And Ferrari better look out because we're coming after them. So Ferrari did run a pretty shitty race. Like we talked about, Leclerc had penalties, slow stops, that kind of thing. Carlos Sainz was just as bad. He didn't have anything major. He just wasn't fast. That's a bad team to cheer for right now. Not very good. McLaren, on the other hand, we're moving up. It is what it is. I'm fucking with it. 
Last race weekend, we uh, made our predictions for the Hungary Grand Prix. And Chandler, you guessed Oscar Piastri. Fifth place. Mm, not bad, right? Okay. Yeah, too bad it was too bad it was uh, not good enough. Pat, who did you guess? Lewis Hamilton in fourth. I should have taken oh. Lando. Well, you're better than Chandler. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for both you losers, uh, I guess check out. So last last episode, Pat was allowing me to pick Lando, and I honestly didn't believe that McLaren was back. They're back, baby, but that's not the point. I guess Checo to become the highest placing driver other than Max Verstappen. That is the rules that we have, and that is the rules that we're going to have going forward. Well, I won. Eat shit, losers. I'm the best there is. I'm the goat. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, I got uh, that dog. Okay, pal. Whatever, whatever helps you sleep at night. I got That's that okay. dog. And... <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> as we move from the Hungarian Grand Prix to the Belgian Grand Prix, I get to pick first. You losers don't stand a chance for two weekends in a row. Um, now that the pressure is on me to pick for the Belgian Grand Prix, which is actually going to be a sprint weekend. It's a little tricky because I want to choose Checo because, like I said, it's silly season's upon us. He needs to get a race win, but yeah, he's not going to. Um, I'm going to pick Lewis Hamilton. So I really want to go McLaren. I'm saving that for Chandler and Pat, just like they did for me, but I'm going to go Lewis Hamilton. He's going to finish higher than anybody else. Um, so, Pat, you're next on the list. Give me a quick pick. Who you got? Um, I am going to go. God, I fucking hate this guy, but I'm going to go with George Russell. God. I think he has a bounce back. Oh, boo. Hey, boo. <laughs> I'm going to, I think he, hey, 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 hey yeah. next time. Hey, Chandler, I'm just saying boo. try sucking less, bro. Try <laughs> sucking less. Yeah, Chandler picked last because he's a bitter first. Yeah. 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 Hey, hey, save it for your time. Save like, it for your time. I was like, look, one of them might pick Lewis. I said, but they're not going to pick both Mercedes drivers. Well, yeah. we did. I, I think George good one. Back. He, he picked the posh, you know, Abercrombie and Finch model. But it all either fact, way, Patrick did pick the one who uh, finished second place um, in Williams at Spa. So in the race. So eat on that. So that's great and all. I have the best pick so far, Patrick. Oh, Patty. Uh, I, I hope this comes back to bite you so bad like that Charles Leclerc <laughs> comment. Allegedly. <laughs> Too bad YouTube <laughs> saves every video. But either way, we're going to move to Chandler. So I picked Lewis Hamilton to finish highest. Pat picked George Russell. Joke. Let's see who you're going to pick. Probably Yuki Sonoda or some shit like that. No, I was going to pick Ricardo. I was going to pick a Mercedes, but now that I can't pick a Mercedes, I'm going to go back to the well and I'm going to stop like trying to be cute by picking Oscar as good as P5 is and as good as P4 was last week. We're going with Lando fresh off of two P2s. That's all I got. Hey, I hey mean, look, look, technically you're still picking your Mercedes engine. I, that's fair. And with full power. <laughs> with full yeah. Power. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. I, I'll pick Lando. I, I love Lando. And it's like, it's not even that it pains me to say this, but like I've had Mercedes loving this track. 
So uh, honorable honorable mention, I think the Aston Martin's going to get their head out of their ass this this weekend. I think so too. I'm not going to pick any of their drivers, but I really do think that they will have a good showing. Lance Ferrari is going to just not show up. Like they're going to not even unpack. Who? But yeah, exactly. Um, so that is our that is our picks for the Belgian Grand Prix that is set to take place the 28th through the 30th of July. So qualifying is going to be at 11 a.m. on Friday, not on Saturday, on Friday. The sprint shootout is going to be at 6 a.m. on Saturday. Not watching that shit. And then the sprint race is going to be Saturday at 10.30 a.m. And then the race is going to be on Sunday at 9 a.m. Boys, it should be a good weekend. Um, Looking forward to it. Uh, I hate to say this, but I really hope Lewis Hamilton does really well. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was all this weekend, bro. Yeah. Um, So... Thank you, everyone, for watching. That was figuring out the formula. This was the Hungarian Grand Prix. Um, There were some broken trophies and broken hearts. Follow our social media, and you'll see what we're talking about. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe at Figuring Out the Formula. Thanks.